Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. This portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Einer Road Auto Collision, 744-4454. If you have, now we've been talking about auto collision for the, of the first hour, actually, uh, Spectrum. 744-4454. They can do anything to your car that needs to be done to it, including painting, painting, uh, uh, blister spots from the sun fade, all of that. And they can do body damage. They can pick you up on the road. You know, you just have Frontier towing at 748-1100, pick you up on the side of the road, take you over to Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, make the call to your insurance company, get a claim number, give Spectrum a claim number, let Spectrum handle it. They will handle, they will take all the photos and everything. After they see the vehicle, they can go ahead and finalize the repair on this vehicle for you. If you need a rental car, they can help you with getting a rental car. Uh, it's just, it takes the hassle out of a collision because a collision is a pain in the butt anyway, and it's very emotional when you think, oh, I just crashed my new vehicle. Now, what do I do? Just just remember, a couple of phone numbers you need. 744-4454 is Spectrum Einer Road Auto Collision. They're number one in the state 2018-2019. Number two, 748-1100. That's Frontier Towing. They've been around forever. They're homegrown. He's got 32 vehicles. They can tow anything. For all your towing needs, Frontier Towing. Now, we have another little thing that's going on that I want to bring up again, and that's... Uh, a sixth annual Southern Arizona Equine Health Symposium, Saturday, January the 22nd, 2022, at the U of A Campus Agriculture Research Center at University Farms. This educational event features industry experts and local veterinarians presenting on a series of equine health topics for the horse owner. 250 participants from across Southern Arizona are expected to attend this year's event. And... For more information, I would like for you to call, hang on, I'll get you the number, call uh, Annette McKenzie at 520-981-6263, uh, or you can go to Riata Equine on Tanka Verde, 9100 East Tanka Verde, Suite 100, or go to if the registration if, between now and the 11th, 
is only $45 to get in for a full-day event. Starts at 7, 4, 7.15 in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And after the 11th, it's $60 to register. So you can save 15 bucks by doing it before the 11th is expired. And make your checks payable to capital S-A, which is Southern Arizona, Z-E-H, capitals, cancel, C-O-U-N-C-I-L. This is an event that I've had the privilege to attend. It's well worth the money, well worth the money. All right. We're we're moving right along here. Uh, Merrill's has changed their operating hours. New operating hours for Merrill's 2022, Monday through Friday. This is Merrill's Automotive. Merrill'sAuto.com will get you there. Merrill's, it's Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturdays are 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Their time again has changed. Monday through Friday at Merrill's Auto, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And don't forget, Merrill's has a machine shop operation over on 15 West Ajo, 572-1734. That'll give you a place to get your drums turned, your flywheels resurfaced, and your rotors resurfaced on Saturdays for you do-it-yourselfers or during a week. But uh, that's at uh, 15 West Ajo, and that will put you in to where you can uh, actually get your work completed. And the numbers, the hours change again. It's 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturdays is 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Merrill'sAutomotive.com. And I think that will cover you for right now. All right. At the first hour, we spent a lot of time talking about crashes on Mount Lemmon, uh, search and rescue stuff, things that you need to consider. We don't, I don't force anybody to do anything. I highly recommend it because I've been there, seen what happened, so is Jim. But on what you need to do and be prepared if you're planning on going to play in the snow or just taking a trip. The other thing I failed to tell you, if you're going to be out and you're going to be traveling and you're on medication, like, you know, any kind of medication, have a card, even if it's a recipe card, as I call them, a little three-by-five card you put in your pocket, fold it up, write down the medications that you're on. If you're allergic to anything, write it down. So when the uh, EMS gets there, they'll have some information on you in case you're not conscious or, uh, you know, God forbid, but in case they, they're trying to get you out of that mess as quick as possible, the more information they have, the better off you are. So don't forget, to, even if you're traveling across country on vacation, write down the medication that you're on, keep it on your body. If you've got a spouse that's going with you, write down a medication. She can write down her medication. Keep it where it's available to EMS, emergency medical services. And so they'll have that information. Be prepared. Pack you a care package to go on the road. Something, if it happens, play the game. If it happens, what do I need? Play that game because it can happen to you. It happens to a lot of good people that just assume nothing's ever going to happen. But be prepared. All right. Fuel economy, 
Uh, let's see. Let me stay on schedule here. Fuel economy and environment. Uh, body care. I want to go with body care on vehicles. I see a lot of toasted tops and uh, uh, things just from cars. I read a nice little article that said 4%. Uh, you can gain as much as 4% in mileage if you have a clean car. And I'm looking at that and going, what? You know, there's a myth that, oh, dirt doesn't help it. Dirt actually protects your your paint from the sun. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That'd be interesting. So, That'd be and, a good call. I guess yeah. Maybe if it's completely covered in mud. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like we cover them in mud here. But even if you just drive around and it, you have all of this wind that comes through and deposits all, all of this dirt on your car and then it rains about 300 drops, just enough to make it spotty and muddy on the vehicle, and then say, well, I'll take it in and get it clean. Recommendation, wash your car once a week, and when you, if you wash it at home, don't use the uh, one cleaner catches all with the, all the wax in it and stuff like that. Because according to Spectrum, you don't need to wax the rubber components on a car because it makes them hard and it also cracks them. And so it, it, it cuts them down as far as the life on it. Use the regular car recommended wash and wash your car. And then if you want to wax it, wax it separately. Do not get the wax on the rubber components, okay? And that will help you save your rubber components and keep it a lot from squeaking and a lot from drying out and breaking loose and creating air situation where you drive down a road and sound like you're in a wind tunnel. So that I picked up from um, Spectre Minor Road Auto Collision. You know, uh, wash it once once a week, hand wax it, polish it twice a year. Every six months, go in there and polish it. And uh, you can go to a shop or you can go to these little car washers and stuff like that and say, oh, I want the vehicle washed without the spray wax and then I want you to go ahead and hand wax it. You can have it detailed out, and they'll they'll wax it for you. And then you go on, and you can you'll have a vehicle that the paint will last you a long time if you do these things. But it has to be polished. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to Spectrum. He says it's time for you to polish your diesel. Okay. Have I done it? No. I'm just like the rest of you out there. I'm too busy to do it. But it's going to come back and bite me in the butt because it did on my 06. And that's with washing it once a week. And it's still, it blisters out. It needs to be polished. You need to take care of the exterior of your car if you plan on keeping it for a while. Uh, if driving it dirty was the way to go, would NASCAR have dirty cars out on the racetrack? <coughs> NASCARs are spotless. And even when they come in, you know, these cars are, are pampered, babied, and everything else. But uh, it's just not the way to go. And when I read that one little clip on it, and they, they test these things in wind tunnels, the dirty cars versus the clean cars, blah, 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 blah. So it's good information, good for you to know. Plus, a clean car is actually more fun to ride in. Uh, it's more fun to drive. Uh, you don't have to be embarrassed because it looked like a mud puddle running down the road. And it's just the way to go. So that's that's my little tip for you today. Uh, just wax it separately now. 
stay off. And when you wax it, don't put it on your rubber components. Oh, it'll turn it dark. Yeah, it'll be good. But it'll also dry out, crack the rubber. I've done it. I see what it is. So don't do that. That's just one thing I can help you with. All right. We're talking about uh, – you got anything you want to add to that before I go on, Jim? Well, I was going to say about the, the polishing, you know, you said polish the truck, but you you didn't say why. So if why? I remember right, to get um, you polish it to get the oxidation off, right? You polish it to get off. The one thing that my uh, son, my nephew, told me about waxing, he said, if you want to know if you need a wax job, have the, wash the vehicle good, and then close your eyes and put your hand on the hood. And just let your hand slide down the hood and see if you feel any kind of grit on the car, any kind, after you've washed it and cleaned it up. Any kind of grit feeling across the hood means that you need to wax it and get that grit off of the hood to allow it to, to uh, uh, maintain because you've got that seal coat on the outside of it, that clear seal, and it'll start getting these little bit of grits in it, and you don't catch it at the time you do it. First thing you know, uh, it's coming up. And then when you come up, then you have to go and have a darn thing repainted again, cleaned off and repainted. So if you'll just run your hand down the hood, or even better, if you want to see the difference, wax a corner of your hood, and don't wax the other part of the hood, and then put a garden hose on there and let it run across and see which one shed the water because that's what you're trying to do is get it slick enough where the water won't stick. And with all these little, and then you flip it back to the other side, if you run your hand down uh, anything, you know, you can pour water on a piece of sandpaper and see how well it exits the sandpaper. That son of a gun sets there. Water is rust. It starts eating in. It needs to get off of the vehicle. That's the reason we wax them, and that's the reason you see show cars that you can you can't even set a, a cup on the hood without it sliding off because it's just that slick and it's that well protected. There's a lot of stuff on the market. Merle's has it that you can clean your car with, and you can spray wax them now. It's not the old hand wax that we used to have to do all the time, even though. A lot of people will say the hand waxing needs to be done first if you hadn't done it in quite a while. So you can hand wax it first, get everything off of it where it's nice and smooth to the touch. Then you can use the spray wax. But if you're going to use the spray wax, just remember what I said about keeping it off the uh, uh, rubber components. That includes your windshield wiper blades. You know, you don't uh, if don't wax the windshield. It doesn't really work that well. Uh, you can use. Um, uh, what's, what's, what am I looking for, Rain, Jim? Rain-X. The Rain-X. Cover. Rain-X. Rain-X. You use Rain-X, Rain-X. But if you use Rain-X, <laughs> follow the instructions. If you don't, something that would normally take you 15 minutes is going to take you about eh, two hours because when you do it on there and you do it wrong, you have to take it off before you can put the new stuff on, and that is not fun. I did it on my motorhome. After even I know it takes a lot of time to do it to do it the second time when you've got to take the first time off and then do it and do it correctly. But when it goes on there, I drove that thing for 1,600, no, 2,000, 3,000 miles and went to run rain all the way from Tucson to Arkansas, 
all the way through Texas. I mean, it didn't quit raining the whole time. The windshield wipers went all the time. And with the help of the rain X and stuff, I had good, clear vision out on the roads. Even following 18 wheelers, that stuff wasn't sticking to the windshields. So rain X is a good product. The Merles has it. You can go down to Merles and get your hands on a lot of stuff that will maintain your cars. But read the instructions, please. Take the extra five minutes. Read how to do it. Same way with your cleaning your own headlight rings, your own headlights, where you get all that scum off of it. Read the instructions and don't shortcut it. Read the instructions and don't shortcut it. People say, you can do this in 10 minutes. No, you can't. I mean, I guess you could if you do it for a living and you got everything sitting right there on a the little little stand next to the car while you're doing it. I've never been able to do it in 10 minutes. But uh, after doing it wrong the first two two times, not one, people, two, and what I did is I read the instructions, then I thought, oh, I read the instructions the last time. I'll just read them again. And then I look, wait a minute, if I read the instructions, why am I doing it again this early? Because I didn't read all the instructions and comprehend it. Read it about three times. Then go out and keep the bottle there, and every now and then take a look at your instructions on the bottle to make sure that you do get it correct. And then you'll be happy. If not, you'll be doing it again. Guarantee it. You'll be doing it again. But if you read the instructions and follow the instructions, 99% of the time you'll be able to clean those those headlight rings off, the headlight covers. And if you don't, uh, sometimes they're so bad that you have to replace them, and they are expensive. You have to buy the whole assembly. On my 06 Dodge, it cost me almost $600 to replace the two headlights because I'd let it go so long, and, and this was a few years ago. I really wasn't paying attention. I mean, you know, uh, it just it's the way it is. So there you go. That's another one you can do to help your car. Um, what else, Jim? What well, am I, I missing there? What that. do you do on your trucks? Well, so um, so so we have to polish them because, um, or well, buff them basically. Um, the um, I don't know if anybody knows this, but um, oxidation is, is it's basically rust on your paint. I know that sounds crazy, but it's it's just corrosion. It's, it's corrosion caused by heat. And God, do we have a bunch of heat in Arizona and oxygen? So if you don't if you don't get it off, it continue it it just eats away at the paint. But so imagine you're and this is really hard to think of because you're usually think of like metal rusting, like steel rusting, and it turns, you know, that to patina. We call it patina here because, you know, we don't want to call it rust. We call it patina, that beautiful shade of patina. So we go out of our way to make metal rust so it's got that beautiful shade of patina. The last time I checked, nobody wants their car to have a beautiful shade of patina. They want to have the color that they got it when they started. So uh, if you actually knock off the oxidation, like polishing and, and waxing, um, the, the, the paint lasts longer. That's what uh, Spectrum will tell you it, every single time. Um, I don't think anybody ever thinks about it as rusting because it's you know, it's counterproductive. You don't think of your car as rusting other than in like the northeast, but it rusts the inside out, so the salt rusts it and the, and the panels fall off. But here, the car rusts from the outside because the oxidation on the car just starts eating away at the paint. Which is, I didn't know that until I talked to a paint guy a while ago, and he was explaining it to me. I thought, well, that's really kind of interesting. He's like, yeah, this is why you use this stuff. <laughs> you you put lotion on your hands, put wax on your car. So that, that's just my tidbit for the day on the on the waxing. Well, that's right on the money. It's right on the money. 
you don't have to follow the instructions or follow the recommendations that Jim and I pass out on this um, radio program. The purpose of the radio program is keep you as much informed as we possibly can to save you money and to keep you with a good, dependable vehicle on the road. Any questions you have, 719-1490, we'll give it a shot, 719-1490. Well, we've done covered uh, search and rescue. We've done covered what you need to do out there. Take along your first aid, oh, first aid kit. You mentioned uh, earlier about blisters on the feet. Uh, you need Band-Aids big enough to cover the blisters on your feet. And I don't care if you carry it in your billfold. I don't care if you carry it in your pocket. I don't care how you carry it. Just carry it. Because if you have the Band-Aids, you can still, as soon as they start coming, you can pull the shoe off, sock off, use wool socks if you're going to be playing in the water, and uh, if, unless you're allergic to wool, of course. But use wool socks. They do. Uh, they'll they'll hold the water actually and maintain the heat. They work extremely well. And um, but that's in a normal situation. There's always a caveat. There's always something else that's got to stick its nose in and create a problem. But if you carry a, carry your little first aid kit with you out there, uh, what I carry in my saddlebags is I carry four inch pads, tape and a good pair of scissors. And I can make a Band-Aid, I can make a big patch, four inches is a lot, you can wrap your heel in four inches, tape it to the sides, keep it on there, and there's all sorts of stuff you can do other than carry a, uh, what are they, 20, 20 inches by four inch medical uh, bag, first aid kit. But as long as you've got right. Band-Aids, four inch pads, uh, and tape, you can pretty much take care of anything that comes up. Uh, that's not all I carry in them. You know, I carry a lot of uh, vet wrap, as we call it, uh, clean. And there's just a lot of stuff that you can do. You can also, you can load your truck with the first aid kits. I mean, that's how much stuff is out there. But I found over the 30-some years I've been in search and rescue with animals, because we've got to protect our animals when we're out there, too, uh, you carry four-inch pads, you carry a lot of tape, you carry vet wrap, uh, you can pretty much get out of a situation until you can get back and get to your regular veterinarian. All right. Well, that's a good – that's very good, Jerry. You know, you meant one more thing. Um, you've got to take care of your animals. If you're out hiking with your dog, make sure you take water for your dog. Don't let your, your dog get dehydrated, too. Make sure you take water for your dog so he can drink. Um, if you're going to go really – Really make sure you check their paws and make sure their pads are good. Don't, don't your your poor dog can't um, can't uh, his feet get hurt just like yours. He gets blisters on them and pads well, get tore up and cause a lot of headache. We're gonna go hiking. With we've actually had to re- we've had to rescue dogs that had that problem. Their their feet, the pads are just tore all to pieces. Uh, when you go out and you have these fancy boots on that you paid about two hundred dollars for. And that dog is out there walking with no boots on, and he's pretty much a backyard dog. That's where he plays, plays out in the grass, uh, you know, or on the concrete where you don't really run enough to where he scrapes them off. Uh, you get out and this caliche and this stuff or these uh, rocks on these trails, and they're hot. Uh, you know, so it doesn't seem hot to you, but those rocks are just laying there collecting heat. So you have to really be careful there. 
And also remember that uh, uh, you have to have a way to water your dogs. If you carry a bottle of water for you and a bottle of water, you normally just unscrew the top and drink out of it. Uh, but a dog don't really have that option. I had one horse that was trained to drink out of a 32-ounce bottle. And my buddy carried a bucket, a collapsible bucket for his. And when I pulled out the bottle and just handed it to this one horse, she was drinking out of the bottle. And he couldn't figure out. Well, this horse, it turned out this horse had this little fetish, loved diet drink. And my wife would always just give her a drink of uh, diet soda out of the water bottle. And she found out real quick that she can drink out of this water bottle. And so that come in really handy on more than one occasion for me because I carried ex- extra 32 ounces bottle of water just for the horses. And uh, that worked out real well. So, uh, you know, it, you can handle it, but a dog, you need a cup. Uh, the only other option you have is pour water out into your hands, make a cup out of your hands, and let that dog drink. But if you carry a cup, a coll- they make them. Collapsible little cups that their search and rescue dogs use, uh, then you can have a way to water your dog. A water a dog can dehydrate just like a human, just like a horse can. And so just be careful as you're doing that. Get it all proper planning. Do some proper planning for it. Because if you plan right. on carrying your dog, if you plan on carrying your dog out of the desert, that's going to be a whole lot longer day. It is a lot that's longer not, day. And that's not something you want to plan on doing. We've actually carried them out on the uh, Stokes for search and rescue. We put them on the Stokes. You'd be surprised how quiet they actually lay. I don't know if they just figured out, okay, my feet don't hurt this way, so I'll just be good. I have no idea what their thought process is. All I know is I've seen it done, and it was done successfully more than once. So, and that my hat's off to search and rescue field people, you know, the ones that will uh, come out and get you. The, we call them the foot soldiers. So, good luck with that. All right. Moving right along, uh, 719-1490, 719-1490. Any input out there for the listening audience? You've got something on, that you've done or something where you've run over or something you found worked real good for you? Because it don't have to be pretty. It just has to work. And there's information that you probably use because you didn't have all the stuff that Search and Rescue carries with them. And you actually made something or you come up with a way to actually get something splinted up or whatever, but anything you have on something for field safety for people or in cars while you're driving, 719-1490. Give us a call down here. Share it with the public. Um, Car care and the environment, okay? Now, everybody loves field economy. Everybody loves the environment, so let's take care of all of it. Living a green lifestyle with your car can be easier than you think. Adjusting driving and car care habits can increase fuel economy. Oh, by the way, that wasn't 4% uh, on fuel economy on the dirt. It was like 0.4% instead of 4%. It's 0.4%. So I stand corrected on the washing your car. Um, you can, uh, by increasing fuel economy and reducing impact on the environment, the auto carry industry itself has been green for years by both recycling and reusing materials. That would be in your engine, uh, rebuilding your engine instead of junking it and sending it to a salvage yard. 
the tires, the recycling of the tires in the proper uh, places that you take it in Tucson to drop off the tires so they can take them out and grind them up and make uh, toppings for roads. Uh, all of that has been done. Uh, what we do with our used motor oil, our used antifreeze, all of that is recycled. It's sent in. It's, it's captivated. It's not poured on the ground. It's captivated, and then it's we call the people and get it hauled off. So there is ways that the automotive industry, and we've been doing this for years, okay? Um, fuel economy is a number of miles per gallon your car gets. And this number can vary depending on how you maintain and drive your vehicle. On top of that, good habits of vehicle maintenance and driving can go a long way toward protecting the environment. Well, yeah, if you keep it all working like it's supposed to, it works pretty well. Low tire pressure, a clogged air filter, a worn or fouled spark plug. It says worn now. It don't mean it just because they say they'll go 100,000 miles. A uh, worn plug is going to start acting up before the 100,000 miles on most vehicles. Some of your cars, like the 300 series Chryslers with the Hemis and stuff like that, they change your eight spark plugs every 3,000 miles. That's what's recommended. Now, since then, they may have stepped it up to five or something like that. But uh, the on the Hemis and stuff, uh, you know, they're normally 3,000 miles. So that's on the spark plug. So don't get hung up on this 100,000-mile stuff. Um, aggressive driving is the other one. The jackrabbit starts from a stop sign or the uh, stop lights. Jackrabbit, you got to be the first one across. No, you don't. You go with the flow of traffic. You go down on the accelerator easy. It's almost like squeezing an egg on the accelerator. Squeeze the egg, squeeze the accelerator, and let it get up to speed because that's when you're going to really dump a lot of fuel when you're hot rodding this thing. Uh, guys that run down drag strips that use a, a gallon per run, they know that. But they're also running at uh, eight 8,000 RPM when they go through. Maintenance, <coughs> excuse me, a properly maintained vehicle can improve its efficiency, excuse me, <coughs> reduce, uh, improve its efficiency, reduce emissions, and save you money. Regular engine performance maintenance will help you burn less gas, pollute less, and prevent car trouble down the line. Now, this is very true. That preventive maintenance. Sometimes you just change something because it's time to change it, and it's still working, or it seems, but you just need to have it done to keep it working the way it should. This will increase, include checking the spark plugs, replacing the fuel and air filter by all means. Fuel filters once a year. Air filters, they say, oh, you can go once a year. Uh, yeah, unless you get a haboob or uh, some of this air that we get in Tucson, I go on a same time I get the oil change on nine is when I get it done. That's usually about 5,000 miles. Replacing ignition systems or emission system parts if needed and ensuring the onboard computer control is working properly. Voila, here comes your dash lights. Oh, you get a little dash light on there and it goes out. Okay, no problem. No problem whatsoever. Don't clear that code. Leave it in there. It'll probably be back, and then you'll take it into a shop, and they need that history on that car. Improving gas mileage by 4% on a properly tuned and up to 
when fixing a serious maintenance problem such as a faulty oxygen sensor. I want to expand on the oxygen sensor. You get an O2 sensor, oh, they'll set a code. They've got an O2 sensor. Well, when an O2 sensor fails, it fails to the lean side of reporting to the computer. It will report, I'm lean. I need more fuel. There lies the problem. The computer says, okay, you need more fuel. I'll give you more fuel. So there goes your fuel economy, and it also has a downstream problem. The more gasoline you put inside your exhaust system, one, the catalytic converter has to convert it down. It's designed to burn the raw fuel that didn't make it through the firing system, and it's got to convert it to a clean air to go down through the muffler and out the back. If you're just continually, you've got a bad O2 sensor, and you've got more gas that's going in, and the, the O2 sensor, remember, it's faulty. It's reporting it's lean. Okay, so you've got raw fuel going into the catalytic converter, and that thing only has two choices, burn it, clear it, or can it burn all of it? Most of the time, no. It starts to plug up. So now you've got to plug catalytic converter. Warn or foul spark plugs can be caused by the engine, can cause an engine to lose power or misfire and waste fuel. Okay, so this is what you need to be looking at. Tire checks. Tire pressure should be checked at least monthly, including a spare. Tires that are not properly inflated add rolling resistance that make the engine work harder to move the vehicle. Remember, tires can lose pressure due to seasonal temperature change. Proper tire pressures can improve gas mileage by 3.3% or 10 cents per gallon. Motor oil. Using the correct motor oil for your vehicle can improve gas mileage by 1% to 2%. Look for oil that says energy conserving. Oil and the oil filter should be changed. Now, this, this is a 3,000 miles. Now, a lot of people that are, remember last week when I was telling you about these vehicles that had all of the million miles on them and stuff like that? Remember the one I told you? He had it changed every 3,000 miles. That was a guy that had like 3 million miles on it. Uh, that is pretty much a uh, over-the-board type thing for these high-mileage cars. They change it at 3,000. They don't wait to 5,000 or as recommended in the owner's manual. They go with the early. I say if you're going 7,500, unless you're running full synthetic, uh, you need to back that son of a gun down to about 5,000, especially in Tucson, Arizona. We have a little bit of an environment issue here. Air filters can become clogged with dirt, dust, and bugs, which choke off the air and create a rich mixture that causes the engine to lose power. Replacing a dirty filter will improve performance and acceleration. The air filter should be inspected at each oil change. And they don't need to shortcut this thing. They need to inspect that air filter. And I look at it and say, okay, if you look at my air filter at 5,000 miles and you say, oh, well, it's still, it's pretty clean. Pretty clean? Is it clean or not? Because the next time anybody's going to look at this thing, as at 10,000 miles, which is the next 5,000-mile service, is that air filter going to last me till 10,000, or am I going to have to stop in the middle of the road and run into Merle's and get an air filter and put in it? That's my question to it. And so they don't cost that much. They're cheap. 
to keep them replaced. Some of the air filters are kind of expensive, especially on a diesel. However, they still need to be changed. Welcome to owning a diesel. Um, replace annually. Inspect uh, uh, Air filters should be inspected at each oil change and replaced annually. It didn't say if it's dirty annually 12 months later. It says replace them. And when restricted, torn, or water or oil-soaked, you need to replace these air filters, okay? And if you're using a KNN air filter and an aftermarket air filter, make sure you use the proper air box where they go in. Uh, 1999 through 2001, Ford Motor Company had a 7.3 diesel that is absolutely as close to bulletproof as any diesel on the market still. And... You could put a K&N in it in the Ford box because they make one. You put it on there, and I found out that, well, that's that's a pretty good idea, except check the seal. Raise the lid on the air box. Look at the seal and see if you have heavy dust particles, uh, dust trails, on any part of that top of that air box because that's where the unfiltered air is getting into it. And that's what creates problems with turbochargers. So if it's a 99 through 2001, 7.3, make sure that the air filter seals properly. Where you can find this little dust is take a clean paper towel, put it on the end of your finger, wrap it around. Go around the seal only. Go around the seal, take a look at it, and see if it's brown. If it's brown, you've got a leakage going into there, and you need to get that stuff stopped as fast as you possibly can because that goes in the filter to a different location. Air conditioning maintenance and use. The AC system should be inspected annually during a technician's check pressures to test operations, refrigerant charge, and outlet temperatures. Make sure you don't have any leaks, okay? An air conditioning system is sealed. It should not have any lube coming out of any place on an air conditioning unit. So make sure it's sealed, make sure it's properly charged, and you'll be happy you did because it'll save you a lot of money. Drive green. Driving technique has a lot to do with your fuel economy. Drive wisely and minimize unnecessary miles by consolidating errands, like if you're going to go out to town, like this morning, you're going out, You okay, I need to go to the feed store, I need to go grocery shopping, uh, I need to go, I'm going to stop by and get me a quick breakfast meal or something like that, uh, then I need to go uh, to get my glasses checked, whatever your excuse is. If you organize these routes so that you can get them done, that's going to save you a lot on your fuel economy other than driving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, start and go, start and go, start and go. Organize it. Uh, get good directions to, ex- uh, to avoid excessive idling. If you don't know where you're going, find out before you take off. Other guidelines to follow. When possible, use your vehicle's cruise control features. When it is raining or it is snowing, do not use your your uh, cruise control. Cruise control says, okay, I am going to monitor your wheel spin. I'm going to monitor your tires turning, okay? Now, if you go out and all of a sudden this 55-mile-an-hour zone goes down to, uh, or you need to be going about 40 because it's raining or snowing, that cruise control don't care. 
My job is to keep you at 55 miles an hour, not 40. You're driving at 40, or your speed limit is at 40, your cruise control is on, and you start slipping and sliding, it's going to hold that 55-mile-an-hour acceleration. It's dangerous. Don't use it during rain, and don't use it during snow, or where you're running ice roads and stuff like that. It's real critical. Use it when possible, okay? Use your air conditioning only when needed. Park in a shaded area. Use a reflective windshield shade, which is good. Uh, <clears throat> can help your car stay cooler when parked, meaning it takes less to cool it off when you get back in it. Avoid sudden starts and stops and go the speed limit when possible. Uh, oh, well, let's go to speed limit just a second. Speed limits are set on ideal conditions. That means regular traffic, not heavy traffic. That means dry roads, not wet roads, not snowy roads. Uh, that means that uh, when the sun goes down in the west and you're driving west and hitting you right in the face, don't mean that you've got to drive 75 miles an hour up the freeway. You can back it down a little bit. And if the person come by you, he probably got better shade coming in through the windshield than you do. And let them go, okay? You're not in a hurry anyway. If you get in a hurry, leave early. Avoid sudden stops and starts and go the speed limit. Super critical. Speeding and aggressive driving. Most cars lose fuel efficiency over 50 miles per hour. With a carburetor, a four-barrel carburetor on these older cars, People say, well, I got a four-barrel on mine, and it gets better fuel economy than my buddy who's got a two-barrel. Well, the primaries on a four-barrel are smaller than the primaries uh, than the prim than the primaries on a two-barrel because the primaries on a four-barrel only take you up to about 50, 55 mile an hour. Anything over 55 mile an hour on a four-barrel, you start pulling in the gasoline, because your primaries are not big enough to handle the full request for fuel. That's the reason that the four-barrel, if you stay out of it, will give you as good as or better than a two-barrel because the two-barrel has to service it through all speed ranges. A four-barrel does not. 58 mile an hour is normally where it starts pulling fuel out of the four-barrel, and that's when your fuel economy starts to suffer. Um, but fuel efficiency over 50 miles per hour at a rate of about 24 cents per gallon to every five miles over 50, okay? About 24 cents per gallon for every five miles over 50. Now, aggressive driving speeds, rapid acceleration and braking can also reduce gas mileage as much as 33% on the highway and 5% on city driving. Lighten the load. Unnecessary items increase your gas usage. Lighten the load, but don't take your emergency kit out of your vehicle when you're going to Flagstaff to play in the snow on top of Mount Lemon. Okay? This does not mean that you should keep emergency items such as a spare tire and emergency first aid kits. Get it? This is long time standing. Don't forget it. Gas caps and fill-ups. A loose or cracked gas cap allows gas to escape from your tank as a vapor, wasting fuel and increasing vehicle emissions. Topping off your gas tank once the pump clicks off automatically can release harmful vapors into the environment and increase emissions. 
In some areas, the automatic shutoff means their vapor recovery system will redirect any further fuel back into the pump. And voila, you wind up with plugged up uh, canisters. Uh, so when you're when you're playing with the environment, you're playing driving, you're, and you're self-conscious about the environment, you're self-conscious about the fuel economy, and you understand that the cars, uh, they do put it out. And I said all that to say this. With computer control, computer control on these cars are way beyond what you can do with your right foot. Okay? They control. Uh, you've got engines that fire multi, they get spurts of fuel delivered on each stroke of the engine. Now that's in a milliseconds. These, these engines fire really quick and it'll give you as much as seven different little spurts on the engine when it, the piston is going down the cylinder. When it's actually firing, it'll, it'll put enough fuel in there to get the job done. All right. You don't have that with your right foot. Okay. You don't know it because it's all computer control and that's how sophisticated they are. Uh, there's this big argument about starting cars while they're cold. The systems on these late model cars are really sophisticated. They know exactly what that temperature in that engine is supposed to be. They will warm it up to that temperature as fast as it's possibly they can without blowing just raw fuel out the exhaust pipe. So I've heard the argument on the older cars, like my Mustang, my Mustang's one. When you start that side of a gun up with a carburetor on it, it's a 68 Mustang. The You've got the choke it goes on. Well, the choke stays on until the engine gets up and you actually tap it and it'll come off. Um, but it takes about nah, two to three minutes to, before that thing ever agrees to go into gear without dying and uh, drive it away. On the late model cars, my diesel, ha, my Honda, you turn it on. You put it in gear and you go. Now, with a Dodge diesel, it needs to warm the transmission fluid up, and so you'll have a little bit of erratic shift. In the owner's manual, on a 218 Dodge diesel, you'll notice a little bit of shift difference when it's cold. But you just, that's, that's part of life. Starting an older vehicle, you may take, give it a couple of minutes to kind of warm up. Starting a new vehicle, they say it is okay to go ahead and fire it off and drive it off. Okay. And I'm going, okay. So you fire it off and drive it off. Uh, by the way, that engine is turning. The engine is protected by the computer. The transmission should be protected by the computer. The transmission, if it has dirty oil in it, is not going to circulate or heat up the way it should to service your transmission properly. Okay, so, you know, therefore, you may have a little shift issue when you first fire it up because the transmission, even though the engine warmer uh, is warm, the transmission fluid is still kind of cold. On a differential fluid in the uh, rear drive differentials, it takes 20 minutes to heat differential fluid up if you're trying to diagnose a bearing problem in a differential or a sound in a differential, it takes about 20 minutes of runtime before the fluid gets hot enough where you can even hear a sound coming out of it because it's 80, 90, some of it is uh, 80, 140 weight stuff, which is really thick. And so that's the reason you don't want to really fire it up and hot rod it, fire it up and hot rod it because the fluid really hadn't had a chance to start doing its job. And, 
That's where the transmission, transfer case, and differentials. So there is a argument for, do I fire my diesel up, put it in gear, and drive off? How's the fluid? Well, where are you going? How long is it going to take to get that fluid warmed up? Okay, I know it takes 20 minutes on a differential. Uh, and I know that uh, transmission fluid is cold when you fire it up and it's got to circulate. Is the transmission fluid clean? That's another plus for getting your transmission serviced on a regular basis and, and service all of it. Don't do the old thing that we used to do years ago where you just drop the pan, change the filter, put the filter back up, put the four quarts and 11 quart system back in. And say, okay, it's changed because as soon as you do the all that's in there, the transmission fluid inside that transmission is as contaminated as it was before you pulled it out. You need to flush your transmissions, put an additive in it, and protect this transmission because these things are not inexpensive anymore, even on your your tens, well, all of them, ten speeds, eight speeds, six speeds, four speeds, whatever you're driving. But have the fluid service on a regular basis. For ones of you that are driving these all-wheel drives, it has this little viscous transfer case that holds about three-quarters of a quart of oil. How long do you think that it takes three-quarters of a quart of oil to wear out in that little bitty transfer case that costs about $1,500 to replace? Get the thing serviced properly when you take it in. If you're going to change your oil, you should have records on this thing to let you know when that little leak uh, or that little viscous transfer case is actually getting changed the oil in it. Make it a habit. If you're going in and you're going to change the oil in your car, it's got six, 7,000 miles on it. On the second oil change, that you've got 12,000 miles on it or 15,000 miles. What will kill your little viscous quicker than anything is one, a leak. It is so, you only have three quarters of a quart. How long does it take a three-quarters of a quart to leak out of a, a a little transfer case that's under the car that you haven't seen? You don't even know what to look for. So look for a leak under these cars. I do that same time I'm checking my tire pressures. I'm looking under the car to see if I've got any leaks. Okay? I recommend you do that, too. And the, the transfer cases, these little viscous transfer cases, are going to be eh, about the same distance back under your front seat, toward the back of the front seat, down on the ground, under the bottom, is where you're going to notice uh, just a drop or two. But don't just glance. Look to see if you've got anything coming down there. And if you find a leak under there, get it into a shop and get that thing checked out and get it fixed before it actually quits on you because you will not like the price on them, and it's totally preventable. Okay? All right. What else have I missing, Jim? Oh, I was just going to chime in about a couple things. Um, on the K&N filters, Go ahead. Um, those are really, really good filters, but they require a lot of maintenance. You've got to wash them off and re-oil them. And if you're not into maintaining that oil fil- that air filter, don't get one. I had them. That's right. Thought they were, I thought they were great, and then I got lazy. And... Then it sucked up into the air box because, you know, I didn't bother to clean it off and do the, do the whole procedure of, you know, take the, take the Canon cleaning solution, wash it all off, dry it off, re-oil it. And it's a little, quite an involved little job to do it correctly. And I, I never did it. And right. I, I tried doing it and then I became lazy. 
and I switched back to paper air filters because, well, that was just faster. So that's just the one well, thing. Well, it's faster to do. Make sure you, yeah. That's a good point right there. All right, I see we're getting late on in the hour. i got a couple more advertisers, people who are wishing you a successful 2022. LensAutoBrokerage.com. com is at 2101 North Stone Avenue if you want to kick a tire. 628-7500. And DesertRV.com. DesertRV.com. And that's down in Sierra Vista. That's also a subsidiary. And they have everything's online. You can visit the site and you can go in there and you can find anything that you want. And what you don't find, all you got to do is call them, tell them what you're looking for and let them do the, the legwork on it. LandsAutoBrokerage.com and DesertRV.com. Parker Automotive Service Center. He's our other buddy other than, uh, automotive specialist. You got Parker Automotive Service Center, 5101 East Speedway, 323-1960. State-of-the-art shop, excellent location, beautiful facility. Uh, they work on everything domestic and foreign. And you can get the job done there. Call 323-1960. Uh, automotive specialist, Brian, Mr. Test First, don't guess, 574-1734. His uh, shop number, 237-3852 is Brian's cell number. Absolutely excellent shop at Meredith and Ina on the west side of Tucson. And they're at 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101. It's at Meredith and Ina in the Bookman's Plaza. And it's test first, don't guess. So if you get what I'm telling you, it's test first, don't guess. You can Google it and we'll pick him up. Automotive Specialist AZ. Dot com automotive specialist az.com that'll put you into Brian's shop he's got a good website easy to navigate and that'll tell you more about him and show you the type of work that they do they are full service they do the engines the transmissions anything from an oil change all the way into engines hard parts uh, running running powertrain the same way that Parker does they do full service automotive center Parker AutomotiveAZ.com, ParkerAutomotiveAZ.com, and then you want to go right back and make sure that you, if you're on the west side over there, you can go to uh, Brian's Automotive Specialist AZ.com and get these things handled. Uh, I think that's about it for all my sponsors for today. And, of course, uh, I can't say enough about uh, Frontier Towing. For all your towing needs, I will tell you that right up front. For all your towing needs. They, this guy is crazy. He tows everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the crazy and the suppo- Yeah, and the symposium coming up on the 22nd. Get your registration in. Um, and you can get it in by calling. Uh, let me give you that number again. Annette McKenzie, 520-981-6263. Call her, get the information on it, uh, and just attend that symposium. If you own a horse or an animal, this is something that you want to get some information on. And I keep saying on the animals and the horses, that's going to be the cheapest thing, cheapest veterinarian conversation you'll ever have 
So I'm sorry, Andrew, what did you say? Uh, you got two minutes left, Jerry. Okay, good. All right, we're right on the money. Right on the money, babe. All right, Jim, now we've discussed search and rescue, driving habits, what you need to do to keep your car running. Uh, you're going up to the mountain. I, my little tech tip is make sure you got windshield wipers. Make sure they're current. You pull that windshield wiper up, take a paper towel, and run it right down the blade on the windshield wiper blade. You can do that at home and see if it's got a bunch of black on it. If it's got a bunch of black on it, that windshield wiper blade is deteriorating. Get it replaced if you're going to go play in the, where you know there's going to be snow or rain. Get it replaced. Uh, I just replaced mine. I will say that I went to the silicone uh, <coughs> blades. Holy cow, 80 bucks for a set of blades. However, I had the opportunity to use it during the rain, and I'm telling you, it's all the difference in the world. My other ones were only five months old. And they were rubber, and they were not cheap, and they had already started to deteriorate. So, you know, I, I'm just going – I'm stuck now. I have to stay with the silicones because I know they last longer. The last set that I bought and put on the vehicle, I was stuck in Alabama, uh, Arkansas, and I bought a set of Rain-X blades, and it was good. All right, Jimbo, we're out of time for the two-hour show, buddy. Any parting words? It flew right by. It flew right by. Always a pleasure to be on the show with you, Jerry. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the accolades. And uh, good good for calls today. Well, you have a wonderful, safe day on Super Safe Saturday. Until next week, this is Jerry Simmons with the Simmons Car Care Show. Bye-bye. Drive safe. And-